by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Have you ever heard of a term, type shadow? A type shadow is... Like when you see in the Old Testament an example of some spiritual reality that came to place in the New Testament. You know, the Old Testament is there for our example, but it points towards the greater reality and the truth, the spiritual truth that was to take place mostly in the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. So we're going to look at some type shadows today. A lot of people think that uh, Joseph was like a type shadow of Jesus. You may or may not agree with that, some, but some people say that. Joseph, uh, you remember, he was the one with the coat of many colors. He was the one with the dream from God in his heart. But his brothers didn't, they were jealous. They didn't like that. We know the story that they threw him into a pit, and they decided not to kill him, but they sold him into slavery. And he went into Egypt as a slave. But just like Jesus was faithful in all God's house, Joseph continued to be faithful. And not only did he uh, trust God through the hard times, he continued to do what was right in every situation, and God highly exalted him and put him in second in charge of all Egypt. You see, God had a plan for Joseph from the very start. And Joseph stayed with the plan. His, his plan was with, that Joseph would one day deliver his people. And there was a great famine in the land. And so Joseph was raised to second in charge of all the land of Egypt. And what does he do? He rations the food before the famine. And so when the famine hits, Egypt is the only place that has food. And so his brothers, <laughs> they're starving to death. They come to Egypt, not expecting to see Joseph. They think he's probably dead by now. And they see him and don't even recognize him. But they're asking for food. Well, this long story plays out where Joseph finally reveals himself and they're all scared thinking, that's it for us. And that's the way we should feel if we're not saved. Man, that's it for us. We, we have done the Son of God wrong. But you know what? Joseph had mercy on his brothers. Joseph had mercy. And in Genesis 45, 10, where I told you to turn, it says, he says to his brothers, you can live in the region of Goshen. Goshen. Say Goshen. Wherever you're at, your, people, your neighbor's going to think you're crazy if you're sitting in the front yard. Just yell Goshen real loud. Goshen. You can live in the region of Goshen where you can be near me, with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and your herds and everything you own. The land of Goshen. I believe, and I'm going to try to make a case today, that the land of Goshen could be seen as the church is today. The land of Goshen. It's a region where we can all be near the Lord Jesus Christ. 
our children, our grandchildren, our flocks, and our herd to protect it. You see, Joseph was second in all, all of Egypt, much like Jesus. Through his obedience, through his suffering, was brought to a place second only to the Father. Even though he was mistreated by his family, he came to the place he created called earth, and we didn't recognize him. And we hung him on a cross. But just like Joseph, he forgives. And he brings them into the church. Or you could say Goshen. Jesus brings his people together in the church that we may be safe and that we may be near. Now, if you look where Goshen is in Egypt, it's part of Egypt. And Egypt is a type shadow of the world most of the time if you're looking in Scripture. Goshen was in Egypt, but it was set apart from its cultural decay. Why? Because God's people were there, and they were keeping God's culture and not the world's culture. You also see that Goshen is on the eastern border of Egypt, close, um, yeah, eastern border of Egypt closest to the promised land. It's just one step away from the promised land. Oh, brother, are you starting to get a picture here? <laughs> well, God's people flourished in, in uh, Goshen. They grew so large and strong that Pharaoh was intimidated by them. And he, the new Pharaoh enslaves God's people for 400 years. But we know that God always raises up a deliverer, and his name was Moses. Moses came to Pharaoh with this message, God's message. Let my people go. Let my people go that they may worship me. And we know that Moses had the ten plagues, right? Moses came to deliver them, and, and Pharaoh was hard-headed. And the world is hard-headed. And the leaders of the world is hard-headed. The devil is hard-headed. So God had to use a series of plagues. To, to own the world, own Egypt. The funny thing is, is that God's people are still living in Goshen, Goshen, and the plagues are happening to Egypt, and the first three happened to both. There was a plague of the, all the water turning to blood in the Nile and the rivers that they had to drink. They had to start digging wells to, to have water to drink, and that that was a handicap not only for the Egyptians, but for the church or for the people in Goshen, God's people. Then there was the plague of the frogs and the gnats. Those are difficult things to live through. It's just irritating kind of things. And it goes to show that, yes, living in this world, we too will suffer along with the world to some degree. But what I want to tell you today is when the fourth plague come, the plague of the flies, it says in Exodus chapter 8, verses 22 and 23, but this time God says, I will spare the region of Goshen where my people live. He says, no flies will be found there. Then you will know that I am the Lord and that I am present even in the heart of your land. Do you know that God is present even in the heart of your land? Is he present in your heart? Is he present in your house? He wants to be my friend. And in verse 23, he says, I will make a clear distinction. Say clear distinction. 
We got a small crew here today. It's a good crew, though. I'm so thankful for Say clear distinction. Let them hear you. Yes. God is going to make a clear distinction between his people and the world's people. He said, I will make a clear distinction between my people and your people, Pharaoh. And this miraculous sign will happen tomorrow. Guess what happened? It happened tomorrow. And then the fifth plague comes along. And it's the killing of the livestock. And in Exodus 9, 4, it says, But the Lord again will make a distinction. Say distinction. Between the livestock of the Israelites and that of the Egyptians. Not a single one of Israel's animals will die. You know God even cares about your pets. And then it comes the next one. There's time for a hailstorm. And in Exodus 9, 26, the only place without hell was the region of Goshen where the people of Israel lived, where God's people were. They, were not, they did not suffer the plague of the hailstorm, the greatest hailstorm in recorded history. And in Exodus 10, 22, as we move along, it says, So Moses lifted up his hand to the sky, and a deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for three days. I don't know how you feel, but it seems like the world is darker now than it was before. There's a deep darkness. There's a deep depravity in the world today to the level where people just don't even care. They just let it all hang out, so to speak. It is dark in the world today. And in verse 23, it says, During all that time, the people could not see each other, and no one moved, but there was light. Don't you love where God puts those buts? But there was light, as usual, where the people of Israel lived. Is there light in your life? Is there light in your house today? Are you seeing a pattern here that God makes a clear distinction between his people and the world. If you move on down to the 10th plague, the really the most severe plague, God announces the death of the firstborn. And he says in Exodus eleven seven. but among the Israelites, among my people, it will be so peaceful, so peaceful, that not even a dog will bark. I know some of you are experiencing that peace that passes all understanding, that keeps your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. I know some of you are experiencing it right now along with me. I mean, I should be freaking out. Everybody should be freaking out. The world is freaking out. But God's people have this peace. I mean, our dogs are not even barking. Come on. <laughs> and it says, then you will know. Do you know? That the Lord makes a, a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. God makes a distinction between the world and the church. Yes, he does, my friend. He makes a clear distinction. Because while he has made this warning to Pharaoh about this killing of the firstborn, in the same time, he's instituting the first Passover among his people. Do you remember what the Passover was? That's when they killed a lamb, each household, 
And they took the blood of the lamb and they poured it in a bowl. And they took some branches of hyssop and dipped it in the bowl. And they painted the doorpost of their house. And God says in doing this, the death angel will pass over when he sees the blood. You talk, oh, come on, somebody. You're talking about a type shadow of the blood of Jesus, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. And that blood covers the house of the believer. You know how they ate that meal? The Bible says they ate that meal fully clothed with the walking stick in their hand. They was ready to get up out of here. Are you ready to get up out of here, church? In Exodus 12, 13, it says, But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you're staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you, when I strike the land of Egypt. Mm. I'm trying to build some confidence in you people. I'm trying to get you to see. Hebrews 11:28. it says, It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle the blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn. And likewise, it is by faith that you received the blood of Jesus sprinkled on the doorpost of your heart when you received him as your Lord and your Savior so that the death angel may pass by you. Jesus says, because I live, you shall live also. Because I was resurrected, you're resurrected into a new life. You're resurrected into an eternal life. God is calling his people to stay together. He says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Repent from your compromise that I may give you courage in this crisis. By faith. By faith. It's time for God's people to say, hey, I don't have to live with the Lord of the flies in my neighborhood. When it's darkness all around, I'm going to shine. No plague shall come nigh my dwelling, and the death angel must pass over. Are you hearing me, my friend? Proverbs 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, there's strong confidence. Do you have the fear of the Lord? Then you should have strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. We're the church. We're living in Goshen. And that gives me great courage. Gives me great courage. Because I'm in the church. And I'm hooked up where I need to be. Doing what I need to be doing. And that's what I wanted to encourage you today. This, along with seven other things I'm fixing to teach you real quick. Strong reasons to have courage in this corona. Courage in this crisis. Seven things that I pray almost every day. I pray over you. Things that build courage in me and, and grant me that peace and keep my dog from barking. You know what I'm saying? Number one, it's that blood covenant. I live in the house of God and I have a blood covenant. I have the blood, a blood covenant. Did you see the movie where Clint Eastwood was on his horse? He was a cowboy, and there was an Indian on the other, and they cut their, their, their hand, and they shook hands, and it was a blood covenant. 
That stirred me. There was something about that. Me and my, my friends, when I was little, we used to spit on our hand and, and make a covenant together. We weren't cutting ourselves. Are you crazy? But what did Jesus do? They pierced his hands and his feet, and they stuck a sword in his side, and they drained him of every drop of his blood. And he cut a blood covenant. And my friends, the covenants of the Old Testament are just type shadows. Because it was between God and man, and man always messed up his side of the covenant. And God finally says, I can, because I can swear by no greater than myself, I'm going to make a covenant with God. God said, I'm going to make a covenant with God. That's right. The Father and the Son, because neither could lie. It's an eternal covenant. It's a covenant that cannot be broken. And all we need to do is give, give our faith to the Lord Jesus as our lo the Lord of our life, and we enter into that covenant. It's hard to preach without a lot of amens. It's a blood covenant. It's eternal. And I want you to know I'm pleading the blood over you and your house and your family every day. The second thing is what we, we sang about all morning. It's the name of Jesus. It's like honey to my lips. Because Joseph was willing to go to the pit, because Joseph was willing to go to the prison and remain true wherever he was at, Jesus was willing to go to the lowest parts of the earth, so God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. A name above every other name. In John 14, 13, he says, you can ask anything in my name. And I will give it to you. There's power. In Luke 10, 17, it says, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. You tired of Pharaoh sitting on your shoulder? Then use the name of Jesus and kick him off. Pray in the name of Jesus over you every day. Number three, the whole armor of God. I hope you're writing these down because I want you to be praying these things for each other as well. The whole armor of God found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 18. I pray that over you every day. I don't know. I think you really need to pray that over you because it's, it's building your faith. It's, it's a spiritual Faith, armor, but I pray it over you just in case you forget. It's clothing yourselves in the reality of that blood covenant in which we stand. It's clothing yourself in the reality of the family privileges that we enjoy in Goshen. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Stand, therefore. Come on, church. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness by the blood of Jesus. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all, taking the shield of faith 
wherewith you shall quench all these fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation. Know you're saved. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always. Praying always. That's what I'm doing. I'm praying always for you. Taking the sword of the Spirit. Praying always with all prayer, supplication in the Spirit. Watching thereunto with all supplication. So number three, memorize that. Know what your armor is. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. Trust in that armor. Number four, my goodness, we have an instruction manual here. We have the Word of God. We have only to look around the world and see all the cattywampus lives of the others who have not used the instruction manual. But we don't have to be like them. We can see what God says. This is the way. Walk in it. And we can walk in it. Number five. These are just getting gooder and gooder. Number five. We have the Spirit of God. Now, we, I could be here weeks on end, nonstop, telling you the benefits of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the power of God. But just let me tell you, we got to have him, church. You know, I play in a band called Soul Food, and we, we used to have all these trailers full of equipment. And I remember one time we played an outside gig and and we had all these heavy speakers that we moved out there and cords running everywhere microphones and drums and and just power amps just supposed to be real loud we got it all set up we realized that there was no power out there well we had a little generator in the van so we cranked it up plugged it in we took out on the first song man we were loud we were strong we were powerful but then all of a sudden everything shut down we heard a generator went down. We cranked it back up. was wondering why it did that. It was a newer generator. Happened several times. Kept cutting off. It was something to do with the gas cap. You had to cut, open it or close it or something. It kept going dead. But I, well, I say all this to say that the church in America, in many regards, has built these big PA systems capable of great power. But they don't have the power source, which is the Holy Spirit. But you do. And my friend, if you've never asked the Holy Spirit to come and fill you, you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost, today is your day. You receive it by faith just like you received your salvation. Tell him, fill me, have your way in me. I don't want, I don't want to have a bunch of heavy equipment to move around but no power that's number five number six is beautiful thing is that we get to escape the tribulation in revelations it talks about seven years of tribulation coming sort of like a last chance that god gives his people israel and those that are left behind to get right and he begins to pour out his bowls of wrath and his anger against sin 
on the earth during that time. It's a terrible time. But I don't believe we'll be here for that. There's those that may argue with me. But in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9 says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to attain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 4 16 says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And then the dead in Christ shall rise first, but we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. God is coming back for his people. We may go through the first three plagues, but we're not going through all the way. God is bringing us out so that he can bring his wrath upon the earth. Some people believe we will be here. I don't. I see no point in it. God always delivers his people. And then number seven. God loves you. I know he's, he's coming to deliver me. I know he's not and forgot about me because I know he loves me. He loves you more than you love you. He left the 99 to go find you. It says, greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. There's never been a love like that. The Bible says that the father sent his son to die on the cross. If he gave us his only son, won't he give us everything else that we need that pertains to life and godliness? God loves me. And I lose sight of that sometimes. And I find myself praying, God, am I doing okay? Am I, and I, please don't do this to me, God. Please don't do I'm losing sight that he loves me. He loves me more than I love me. I hope you will trust that and believe that. And when you fall and sin and f compromise and all those things, you begin to focus on you and you lose sight that Jesus said it is finished and your sin debt was paid. And you begin to run from God instead of run to him and don't do that. Run to God and ask for forgiveness. He loves you. So let me recap just a moment. There's safety in Goshen. There's safety being hooked up with the church. We are in the world like Goshen was in Egypt, but we are not of it. We're set apart. It's the closest thing to the promised land here on the earth. It's where we can be with closest to Jesus, protected from God's wrath against sin because of the blood of our Passover lamb. And when we eat our Passover lamb, we do it dressed with our walking stick in our hand, and we're ready to depart. We're not setting up camp down here in the valley of the shadow of death. No, my friends, when he says come up hither, we're going. So we got Goshen. And Goshen has the blood of Jesus. Goshen has the name of Jesus. Goshen has the word of God, has the armor of God, has the spirit of God. And Goshen will experience the rapture and flee the wrath of God. And the best thing is Goshen has the love of God.
When I was eight years old, me and my mother and my little brother, we moved to the mean streets of Memphis, Tennessee, to some apartments over on Winchester Avenue called Americana Apartments. I looked around, and there wasn't nothing but thugs and hoodlums. And so I said, I'll just be one of those. That's, I didn't know any better. And I remember walking down in front of Winchester Avenue one afternoon, and a car drove by, and I told them they was number one. But I didn't use that finger. I don't know why. I just thought it'd be a thuggish thing to do. I thought it would make me like everybody else. But two things I wasn't counting on. That they were faster than me, and they were stronger than me. Three things, they were smarter than me. One of them jumped out and started chasing me. These guys were in their 20s. I'm nine years old here. The other guy goes ahead in the car and gets out and waits for me on the other end. They roughed me up, put me up against the building, but they realized I was just a kid and had mercy on me. But I was trying to be like the world. Thank goodness those guys had mercy on me. And thank goodness God has mercy on us. Because in Hebrews it says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I don't know what hand gestures you've been making towards God with your life. But I'm telling you, he will not always strive with man. There will come a time when he'll let you have your way. My friend, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, but at the same time, it's a beautiful thing to fall into the arms of a loving Father. And our Christianity is not some exclusive club. It's for all who will call upon the name of the Lord with repentance in their heart and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, this is not the time to be giving him the finger. You've heard the difference in this world and the difference in Goshen. Now let me tell you, Jesus died on your cross. He took your sin to pay your debt so that your, your ignorance would be remembered no more. But you have a decision to make. Are you going to continue to flip your nose and other things that the Lord God? Are you going to make, you're going to get on the winning team. You're going to come over into Goshen. And he welcomes you there today. He wants to forgive you. He has left the 99 to chase you down. His love is the best part of Christianity. It doesn't make you perfect. It just makes you forgiven. And he wants to forgive you today. And while I'm talking, I want to talk to you backsliders who've gotten out of the church. You one time gave your heart to Jesus, but you've gone over into Egypt now and you've left Goshen. You've lost sight of some important things that we're living in perilous times. And I believe Jesus is on the way back soon. I can almost hear that trump tuning up. My friend, Come back home and come today. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, 
or you've been running from him, come home. Pray with me like this. Say it out loud. Close your eyes. Hook your heart up with God and say, God, I repent of my sins. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. I'm sorry I have run from you. I am running to you. Thank you for dying on my cross. Thank you for being raised for my justification to make me right with the Father. I now receive my salvation and I make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.